Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Chorus! Come together! Right now! Over me. <laughs> it's the Ravnica Allegiance set review. Allegiance, coming together. Get it? How? It's on theme. That's the one. I love how you were like, oh man, we're far from the we chorus. We are very Cut far from the chorus. Chorus. And chorus. I don't know any of the words of that. <laughs> he says a billion different things. I. He says Toe Jam football at once. Just he won. One and one and one is three. Something so okay. Okay. Right. Uh, hello. Uh, you are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. I, I know you all out there really, really missed the, the singing. songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it was, about a 50-50 split. I'd I mean, say. if you look at all the episodes that DJ was in, I, I think about seventy-five percent of the comments were like, "Man, they don't sing." <laughs> Pretty sure. Yeah, that's all they cared about. You could tell I read all the comments. <laughs> okay. Wait, I do. Okay. All right. Um, today we are doing a Ravnica Legion set review, and it's going to be a long one. So, uh, hey, are there any Paradox Engines in this set? Paradox Engine good cards? Yeah. Well, There's we... at least one because we previewed it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, so. so let's just get right into it. The show is brought to you by cardkingdom.com slash command zone. We're going to be talking about a lot of cards today. You're going to want to pre-order them. You're going to buy them anyway. So all you have to do when you're at cardkingdom.com is enter in the additional slash command zone at the end of it. You use our affiliate link and your shopping experience is exactly the same, except you're also helping make this show possible, keeping it on the road, I guess. On the road again. In the road again. We can sing and sing and sing. Yeah. If you use the affiliate link, cardkingdom.com slash command zone, super helping us out. Mm -hmm. You're going to do that stuff. You're going to order cards. You're going to want some of this. You may as well simultaneously help the Command Zone, Game Nights, Extra Turns, all that stuff stick around. And while you're there, or if you're at your LGS, anywhere in the world, really, you can find products from Ultra Pro. They're the other sponsor of this show, and they make awesome stuff. Eclipse sleeves to put your cards in. There's all the Ravnica Allegiance guild-themed stuff out now. So there's playmats, deck boxes. Every guild now. Sleeves. If you uh, want to build around the Simic there's two Simic legendary creatures, then you're going to want Simic sleeves, and Ultra Pro is the one that makes those. So definitely check out their stuff. They really do make the best in the business. And the final way to support all of our content is directly. If you go to patreon.com slash command zone, you can sign up, contribute, and depending on what level you're at, you might be able to join our Discord server. Yeah, you, or you can engage with us by sending us messages. You have a Patreon-only email, lots of ways to get at us and get responses from us. Yeah, the Discord has been really jumping lately because Jimmy and I have been on there a lot more, and it's fun to chat with people. I've been having a lot of yeah. fun with it. One of my favorite uh, sub-channels that we have is Brewing. People just throw in their random ideas and get help from the other members of the community. It's a great place. I even got some deck help there for a deck I'll be playing on game night soon. Right, right. Wink, wink. <laughs> okay, so the other benefit of being a patron is we call out one lucky Patreon member every single episode, and this episode is dedicated to... Roger Charbonneau. Roger, you rock. Merci. Hey, good job with the uh, yeah, pronunciation. It's French, I believe. I actually grew up to a like a little suburb community outside of my town was uh -huh. called Charbonneau. So really, spelled the knew. same way. Yeah, that's how I knew how to pronounce it. Wow, Roger. You evidently know French, and that's how you knew how to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, but... <laughs> I did not live there. Um, <laughs> um, oh yeah, something ooh. I want to. Before we get into the set review, I just want to mention that a lot of people have been asking, "Where is Game Nights?" Because we didn't release one in December because of the holidays. We didn't have, really have time. 
the next episode will be, as Jimmy alluded to, based around the new legendary creatures from Ravnica Allegiance, and it will be coming out on January 25th. So mark those calendars. And And uh, maybe if you listen really closely, we'll give away who's playing what, or at least some of that information on this episode. All right. All right. Let's go into it. Let us go into it. So... We got to dive right in. Ravnica Allegiance is coming out. It's the second set in the Guilds of Ravnica block. The third time we've been out back to this uh, set now. And this, this time, this plane, sorry. Uh, and so we always talk about the new mechanics. And let's just go right into it. Rakdos has a new mechanic called Spectacle. And basically, it gives you an option to pay. It's kind of like Madness in a way. You're going to be able to cast this card for cheaper if your opponent has lost life this turn. So whether through combat damage, pinging, them paying life to do something, all of that will make these cards cost less. Yeah, anytime an opponent has lost life in that turn if you cast a spectacle spell there'll be an alternate casting cost and it's usually cheaper yeah usually so i think there's a couple that are more expensive yeah because there'll be an additional effect sometimes too Mm -hmm. if you pay the spectacle cost then it does this um there's an orzhov mechanic it's called afterlife and this one's really simple it'll say afterlife and then a number so if it's afterlife two then when that creature dies you will create spirit creature tokens with flying uh equal to the afterlife uh, number so if it says afterlife two and that creature dies you're going to get two one one flying tokens at the end of it black and white black and white tokens. yes uh next up is riot for gruel uh makes sense obviously they're stomping their way through the the realms uh when this creature enters the battlefield you get a, a choice so either you give it haste or it gets a plus one plus one counter so it's kind of like unleash but it doesn't have the additional thing of the, this creature can't block so actually pretty i like this one a lot for limited <laughs> yeah it's, it is cool for limited because the choice feels really relevant in that environment where it's like the one one counter makes it bigger and mm-hmm. that might be but i might want to hit you with it right now yeah, in which are case, racing yeah so i don't know how useful it'll be in commander we'll see the azorius mechanic is called addendum and it cares about if you cast spells usually instance during your main phase or not so mm-hmm. it'll be like an instant and it'll do something but then it'll say if it has addendum and if you cast it during your main phase it'll like have an additional effect like oh you know draw a couple cards but if you cast it during your main phase gain a couple life when you do it or draw a couple more cards the obvious upside being you get more stuff but the downside being you can't cast it at instant speed yeah um, by the way this effect's been around if you cast it during your main phase like uh, return to dust yeah they just so, didn't keyword it before yeah, yeah so you're right maybe they will in the future and finally simic doing simic things has adapt and it's a cost that you pay that if the creature it's an activated ability if the creature has no plus one plus one counters it gets that many plus one plus one counters so it can't have counters on it but if it's, uh, it says adapt four and then the cost you put four plus one plus one counters on right right um but again the important part here is when you adapt it can't already have counters on it yeah so <clears throat> you can't like adapt again so it kind of is a little Basically, it's monstrous, mm-hmm. <laughs> almost exactly from the Theros block. Yeah. And similar. a lot of times it will say when a plus one, plus one counter is placed on this creature, do something, which does the same thing as monstrous did, which was kind of like when this becomes monstrous, you get an additional effect. It yeah. is. It was powerful again in limited. You can do it at instant speed. Um, it's a little bit boring because it's just plus one, plus one counters. And we've seen that a million times with Simic. And I know Simic a lot does of, it very well already. Yeah. I know a lot of people were kind of disappointed with this mechanic. And I got to say, I kind of agree. It's just not that interesting, but it might be powerful in certain uh, circumstances. Yep. Okay. There is one returning mechanic. It is split cards. You saw these cards in Guilds of Ravnica, and we've seen them before in Ravnica blocks where there's sort of two cards on one card, and you can choose either one to cast. The thing is, there's no fuse in this set. So in re- in the RTR block before, you could 
pay both costs and cast both sides of the card, both spells. Yeah. You can't do that on these cards. You have to choose one or the other. So these are like the old split cards. Yeah. Um, but which choices, makes them, choices are good. Yeah, it makes them a little worse, but at the same time, they usually do two different things and can be good in two different circumstances. So mm-hmm. some of them are possibly okay. All right, well, you want to go through the most exciting part of all of this, which is the new legendary creatures? Creatures that you can make your commander in your commander deck. All right, starting off with Lavinia Azorius Renegade. She is our Azorius uh, Renegade. Okay, good job. She's Jamie. our Azorius Guild Leader? Yeah. In this case, it looks like she's on the run. Which is weird because... Azorius are the law-abiding ones, yes. but she's a renegade. She's a renegade. I have known nothing about the Vorthos or the story, so I'm sure a lot of people out there are like, yeah, Josh, because X, Y, Z in the story. Well, I don't she, know that stuff. It says, I told Jace that Ravnica would fall apart if he didn't take his responsibilities seriously. I don't want to be. I didn't want to be right. So things have fallen apart, so maybe she's needing to become a renegade in order to restore order. Gotcha. She's Robin Hooding a little she's bit. She's playing maybe. balance. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this she is, does look like it. This is this card's important to you. Why, Jimmy? Uh, do you want to yeah, yeah, you can tell. This card's important to me because I play this card on game nights. Yeah, he built a commander. whole deck around it. Yeah, on the, the f- first time I've ever played Azorius. Oh, wow. Okay. Playing Azorius. So blue-white for a 2-2 legendary creature human soldier. Each opponent can't cast non-creature spells with converted mana cost greater than the number of lands that player controls. And whenever an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell. So there was a lot of hullabaloo when this card was mm-hmm. uh, revealed it was about a week ago now. A lot of I even had some people tweeting at me like, "Should this be banned?" Yeah, I saw that too. The answer is no. No, it's not. Listen, I think there's some cool stuff you could do with this card. There's some comboy stuff. Most of it's pretty mean, but it's not even really designed for commander. Yeah, yeah I think it was for modern and legacy, honestly. To stop things like Tron, um, and then legacy, I guess stop things like Force of Will, Force of Wills, and all that yeah. stuff. Um, in Commander, this is mostly stopping Force of Wills, other Summoners Pack, Death. Like, oh um, yeah, anything zero casting cost. Yeah, uh, yeah, because you you're not paying mana for it, right? So, yeah, immediately getting countered, that would be pretty pretty bad feeling. It just it definitely sets people back a little bit, but I could see this being a really good card in a control-esque deck. I don't know if this is a great commander necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I think you can build in the... We're going to talk about some combo synergy stuff that's it's pretty mean, but if you wanted to, I think this could be a strong deck. Um, there are cards like Knowledge Pool, Omen Machine, Dream Halls, which we all saw on Extra Turns recently. Mm-hmm. Kyle played it. If Very you get card. those cards into play, specifically Knowledge Pool makes it so that you're the only one that can cast spells. It does similar to what Teferi does. Right. Because when you cast a spell, when Knowledge Pool is out, you don't cast that spell. You pick a spell that's in the middle, sort of attached to Knowledge Pool, and you cast one of those without paying their mana cost, which means y- your opponents can't do that. They can't cast spells without paying their mana cost. Mm-hmm. But it says opponent. It's not like Gattatigue, where it actually stops you too. So yeah. now all of a sudden, you can cast spells, but nobody else can. So Lavinia with Knowledge Pool is very, very strong. Dream Halls being the same thing finally reads the way I thought it read originally, which is, ha this is only affecting me. No, yeah. It affects the whole table, but. But if Lavinia's out, they can't, uh, what Dream Halls allows you to do is you can cast uh, any card from your hand, but instead of paying its mana cost, you can just discard a card that shares a color with the card. So if you want to cast, I don't know, Omniscience, you can just discard Swan Song mm-hmm. and not pay all the mana. But Lavinia obviously stops your opponent's casting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, spells if they don't pay mana for it so again dream halls comes out you're fine you still use the dream halls just like normal but nobody else can that seems really really strong yeah it's nice that's one-sided yeah um mass land destruction kind of feels like it goes with this just because yep yeah if you get a bunch of rocks out 
and then you mass land destruction, nobody else is going to be able to cast anything, even if they have rocks. Like, if you Armageddon... I, I know that's mean, and we don't like it in the format, but it does seem like that's what this card would want you to do. Yeah, and at that point, it's basically how do I win the game before people can slow... Like, before, you know, they have maybe three or four turns to hit land drops again before but even, they can get back into the swing of things. But even then, it's so hard for them to accelerate. Like, mm-hmm. even if they played, like, a Thran Dynamo or whatever, they like, just can't catch up to your seven, eight mana yeah. spells as fast. It seems that seems like it's pretty oppressive. There's also cards like uh, Mana Breach and um, Storm Cauldron, which cause people to oh, return yeah. lands to their hands when they use their mana, and that could be really oppressive with Lavinia, I think. So I think there's a version of this deck, or I think that is what this deck would be, right? Like that's why you it would run her. It needs to be very controlly. Yeah. Think. Otherwise, you're just kind of it's like the why would you put out a card that makes everyone hate you if you're not going to continue down that road? You're already going down that road. Obviously, it's also really good against commanders that are cheating mana costs, like Narset, Jaleva, Mizix, Atali. It can just stop some of those decks in their tracks. But she's just not going to affect most decks. Most decks are going to be like, oh, okay. It's only non-creature spells, so a lot of my all my creatures I just play as normal. And then, as long as I'm just casting spells that are equal to the amount of lands I have in play, it's not that big a deal. And a lot of times, most there'll be games where decks won't even really know that Lavinia's abilities in play, yeah. in play unless you build around all this sort of staxy prison stuff yeah i would say that super aggressive ramp decks that want to cast big non-creature spells is about the place you want to be if you want to like insert this into your meta yeah all right let's go on to the next legendary creature which is coincidentally the legendary creature that i built a deck around for the next game nights again january 25th it's judith the scourge diva she's uh rakdos one black and a red so three mana total for a two two legendary creature human shaman other creatures you control get plus one plus zero so just an anthem effect for all your other creatures not her and whenever a non-token creature you control dies judith deals one damage to any target so anytime a non-token creature you control dies you ping something for one i like this um obviously um being able to just distribute damage to any target is very important. If it was just the creatures or just the players, this card would be extremely bad compared to the version it is now. But the fact that you can point this at a planeswalker or a player or a creature, you can get rid of a lot of troublesome stuff on the board. Not to mention creatures dying and giving you synergies. Lots of that in black and red. It's a little bit of a redo or a reverse uh, perforos, right? A little bit. Oh, instead of entering the battlefield, it's them It's leaving. when they leave, well, when die. they die. Yeah. And it's non-token. I don't know why they did that. It would have been so much better if this counted tokens because I still don't think it would be broken. You still got to kill all that stuff somehow. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. This is, I think it's slightly underpowered, but you can still do some fun stuff. Um, I think you can do aristocrat style mm-hmm. things. And there are some, definitely some combos. So Nim Deathmantle is a really good one that allows you with like Ashnod's Altar or another sack outlet to endlessly recur certain creatures usually creatures that uh, enter the battlefield and make other creatures so like mm-hmm. siege gang commander oh, grave see, yeah. titan you get those going with astronaut's altar and a nim death mantle and i know she says non-token creature but if you get like siege gang commander sack all the tokens then siege gang use that mana to nim death mantle it back into play comes in with the two goblins right sack those again do that it's three goblins for siege gang isn't it yeah um and then you're also netting mana, but also that's just a creature endlessly dying and returning, dying and returning, dying yeah. and returning. Judith will just kill everyone in that instance. Yep. So that's a good way to go to get into an infinite loop. 
I also just, one of my favorite things is to find pingers and just give them death touch. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it do so much work, especially when you have a goblin bombardment out or whatever. Yep. And it's just like, ding, 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 ding. Everyone's yeah. going down. Because Judith does do the damage. So if you can get a basilisk collar on her or something like that, you only need to do one damage to kill any target, in which case all of a sudden, and you get recurrable creatures like reassembling skeleton and things like that. And you're sacking them, bringing them back and just pinging down one damage with death touch yeah killing a lot of stuff so i do think she's stronger than she looks and she would be the kind of person to wear a, a basilisk collar i think i think it <laughs> she, matches her outfit for sure she looks like she loves spiky collars yeah well, she, is, she she it's spectacle right yeah it is some spectacle man that outfit is crazy yeah she looks pretty sweet lavinia should take note <laughs> <laughs> well lavinia she doesn't want spectacle she's hiding she's a renegade that's a good point <laughs> all right next up we have nikia or nikia of the old ways probably nikia Three, a red and a green, five, five legendary creature centaur druid, should we say? Yeah. Our friend Vinny plays this card on game nights. The uh, next one. The next one. Yep. It says, you can't cast non-creature spells, Ruh -ruh. and whenever you tap a land for mana, add one mana of any type that land produced. So it's a mana doubler for a five cost, um, but it does have the restriction of no more non-creature spells in your deck can be cast. But it doubles all your mana from then on? Yeah. And having this effect being redundant in decks, I think is very powerful because I've had, you know, I have a token deck with Marari's Wake in it, which is green and white and you play it, everyone's like, get rid of that immediately. And I'm like, man, I wish I had a couple more things that did something similar to this because it's so powerful when it's able to sit there. Yeah, when you untap with it one time and the following turn you have like 12 mana yeah. available, like 12 mana is enough to win the game a lot. Now you can't cast Toothed Nail because it's a non-creature spell. So it becomes a little bit harder. She does restrict you, but... There's a ton of creatures. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even think you need to build 100% creatures uh, to make it work. I think you still want the rampant growths and the cultivates because you're going to cast those before Nakia comes out. And she's probably going to die. And getting more lands into play is good for you mm -hmm. because they tap for double. So any land you get is really like getting two lands. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that's still pretty good. But this seems like it could be very strong because she doesn't stop you from using that mana to use activated abilities. Yes, that's a good point. So Teamer Sabretooth seems like a freaking crazy insane card. And we know yeah. there's a million ways to go infinite with Teamer Sabretooth by endlessly bouncing that Wirewood Symbiote, some other mm -hmm. stuff. But just like using your double mana to bounce and replay things within a battlefield effects feels really, really good. I would also say too, because you're making so much mana with her, you might be like, well, I don't want to put in cards like Cultivator, Kodama's Reach, because it's going to, if they if I draw them, they're dead draws. But when you have that much mana, you should also build in ways to use that mana to draw you cards. Yes. And if Team Sabretooth is one of the ways to do it, you know, there's also that new Beastmaster card. And there's similar ones that when you play a creature, you yeah, draw Yeah, Beast card. Whisperer. Beast Whisperer, right? Yep. So there's all kinds of cards that draw you into more cards. So even if you do have a couple of duds, I think getting Nikia out before turn five is kind of where this deck wants to be. Yeah, it seems like it could be really strong getting a ton of stuff out really early because of the double mana. And you're mm -hmm. right. I think there's a lot of green creatures that draw you cards and things like that. And just you could snowball really fast. So seems like a fun deck. Yes. Untap some lands. Untap some lands. Okay, the next one is our preview card. It's Prime Speaker Vanifar. I'll read it, but we went into really a lot of detail last episode, so we won't go into a lot here. Um, she is two, a green and a blue for a 2-4 legendary creature. She is an elf ooze wizard. Great. <laughs> uh, and she's birthing pod, basically. You can tap her and sacrifice another creature, then search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Then you put that card onto the battlefield, shuffle your library, activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. So that was a lot of words. If you tap Vanifar and you sacrifice a two drop, 
you can go find a three drop in your deck and put it directly onto the battlefield, only as a sorcery. Seems good. If you haven't seen Birthing Bot in play, you may not understand how powerful this is, but it's insanely powerful, and it allows you to assemble combos very quickly. And there's a bunch of ways to untap Prime Creatures, Freaker Vanifar. Yeah, specifically. Yeah, and so we, we think this card's very strong, and... Again, if you're interested in building this deck, and I think it could be super powerful, listen to the last episode, last week's episode. Yeah, we go very much in depth there. Oh, and and we should say, a card we forgot to mention when we previewed Vanifar is Intruder Alarm. This card is nuts in the deck. It's an enchantment that says whenever a creature enters the battlefield, you untap all creatures, which means you untap Vanifar and then sacrifice a creature to bring another creature into play which means you immediately untap her again. So you can just go straight up the chain to get whatever you want. So, you know, put Intruder Alarm in your Vanifar deck. Um, this next one's for Craig, Craig Blanchett, because <laughs> he's the only other guy that has a deck in these colors. Now, he's not on the next game nights, but I'm just throwing this out to him. This is Rakdos the Showstopper. A lot of spectacle-esque things here. She's stopping Evidently shows. Evidently, the, yeah, the, the Rakdos are like a traveling circus in this. Yeah, uh, Judas a Diva. Yeah. But Rakdos the Showstopper is for a black and a red for a 6-6 legendary creature demon with flying and trample. Flample. When Rakdos the Showstopper enters the battlefield, flip a coin for each creature that isn't a demon, devil, or imp. Destroy each creature whose coin comes up tails. So this includes your own creatures. But this is kind of like a 50-50 board wipe. Unless you build your deck to have demons, devils, and imps in it. I'm assuming you're building demon, devil, imp tribal, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you would have a heavy focus on it. I mean, just having a bunch of demons in your deck, too, is pretty powerful. They're all massive and they're terrifying. And, you know, you can build in, like, Quark's Thumb and some other ways to mess with the coin flip. So if you have Quark's Thumb, you might not even care if you have a couple of non-demon right. devil. You imps. have a very high chance of not killing your own creatures in that yeah. case. Yeah, and very high. Tr- it's more than 50-50 board mm-hmm. wipe, right? You can, like, m- kill most of the other creatures on the board, probably. Yeah, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but it's definitely it's probably 75 75 yeah. yeah. So... It's a board wipe on a commander, six CMC commander, so that's a lot. It is a lot, but it is a board wipe when it comes in, so it does a good job resetting the board. Everyone's um, going to see it coming, but again, the the coin flipping thing may make it be like, well... Yeah, maybe it'll survive. Yeah. And hey, look, if they're not playing their spells and you get to put this thing on the battlefield and still kill some of their things, that's also good for you. Yeah, yeah. pretty interesting. I, I'll be interested to see what people do with Rakdos. Uh, this next... This next legendary creature is the one that da, 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 DJ da, da. Jumbo da, 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 Commander DJ. is going to play on the next game nights. That's right. We've heard you. You've all been asking for him. He will be on the next episode again, January 25th. Okay. He's going to be playing Tesa Karloff. Tesa is two, a white, and a black for a 2-4 legendary human advisor. If a creature dying causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. Also, creature tokens you control have Vigilance and Lifelink. Um, that last part doesn't seem to have to do a lot with the first part. She's Death Harmonicon, basically. Yeah. And specifically, I mean, you want to build a token deck so we have more creatures to sack to do things with. Yeah, that's true. So I guess, I mean, it, it, the, you know, black and white, I, they kind of put a lot onto this card, honestly. Yeah. I, I think the second line, honestly, wouldn't be necessary, and this would still be pretty powerful. Yeah, I think you're building around death triggers and mm-hmm. doubling up death triggers, which is... Like I said, Panharmonicon is enter the battlefield triggers. This is the inverse of that, and probably not quite as powerful just because there's way more ETB yes. effects than there are. Yeah. But still very powerful. I mean, think of a card like Skull Clamp. 
draw four cards. <laughs> Holy crap. That, Two wasn't good enough, apparently. Skullclaps already, yeah, one of the most broken cards. And we saw from our stats episodes, one of the winningest cards yeah. in Commander. And to double its effectiveness, that's that's crazy. You wrote down Worm Coil Engine? Yep. That's pretty sweet. You make four... You make two three threes with Death Touch and two three threes with Lifelink. And the ones dies. with Death Touch have Lifelink and they all have Vigilance because of Tesa. <laughs> so you've got like even better mini, mini tokens and well, one, some true. of them that only have Lifelink. Uh, Kokushio's another yep. really good one because you just ding everybody for 10 and then gain 30. Massacre Worm could also just kill oh, everyone in Massacre one turn. Massacre Worm is so good because, yeah, it's when it's a permanent of your control, but other creatures dying are causing it to trigger. Mm -hmm. Whenever a creature dying, yeah, it doesn't say a creature you control dies. Yeah. So. Yeah, if you play Massacre Worm and kill like five creatures from somebody, that's 20 damage. Yeah, everything's going out. Oof, oof. Um, that's why Grave Pact is also very good in those type of effects. Black Market, it's a card oh, that yeah. ramps you really fast, but it's, again, every creature dying, so it's going to trigger twice for every creature that dies. You put in the two counters on it instead of one? Yeah. That's really good. Um, this is, uh, you put down the Afterlife mechanic, and this is one of the first really the first one we've seen that super ties into their own yeah. guild mechanic from this set. So again, the Afterlife... Judith a little bit, but Tessa yeah. is definitely much more the, oh, wow. Yeah, so if you, something's got Afterlife 2, when it dies, you're going to create four spirit tokens, and they have lifelink and vigilance. How are you going to lose that game? There you go. That's why they did it, to tie it into Afterlife, yeah. that second line. Yeah. What yeah. about Prime Spirit of Vanifor? Does that tie into Simic? Adapt? I don't think so. <laughs> this this last one does tie into Adapt because it has Adapt on the yeah, card. Yeah, that's right. It's a Zagana, Utopian Speaker. Two, a green, and a blue for a legendary creature, Merfolk Wizard. This one's for you, Prof. It's a 4-4. When Zagana, Utopian Speaker, enters the battlefield, if you control another creature with a plus one, plus one counter on it, draw a card. Hmm. Four, a green, and a blue for the activated ability, Adapt 4. So if this creature has no plus one, plus one counters on it, you pay that much mana, six, and you get to put four plus one, plus one counters on it. And another line, each creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it has Trample. There's a lot going on here, and none of it is honestly that exciting. No. You draw one card. Yeah. The I mean, old Prime Speaker could draw a bajillion cards. Yeah, I don't know what Zagana. happens to Ghana. She, 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 she's a utopian speaker She's been now. working out. She's way bigger. Yeah, she's way buffer. Yeah, but she's not as smart. Nah, nah. <laughs> That's not how the world works. But she's giving all of her friends trample, so it's more of like, it's definitely more aggressive focused. Um, I still like this card. I just think you would want to put it in the 99 much more than build a deck around it because you just have so many better options at Simic for doing a plus one plus one counters base deck. Yeah, Voral is way better. Yeah. Voral of the whole clad. There's a million. Atraxa has two more colors and is better yeah. with this same same idea, yeah. yeah. I would also say it's just more fun because Agana does seem pretty limited, which is like all those lines of text, none of them put you in a specific direction with the Simic yeah. stuff. So, she doesn't draw a lot of cards. I guess I guess you're just creature, 1-1 one, one counters, and then bash because you have trample. Yeah, I guess. Or find a way to flicker her a bunch of times and draw one card each time. Ooh, that doesn't yeah, seem worth it. doesn't it. seem good. Doesn't yeah, seem I'm, I'm pretty down on Zagana. And honestly, the community was pretty bored by her when she got revealed so she's sorry too bad she's trying to speak for all of us she's a she, utopian speaker she already has one good incarnation though prime yes. speaker zagana so yeah, maybe exactly. they just decided like you don't we don't need two good zaganas out there yes and they already have another busted <laughs> simic commander this yeah true set, so okay let's talk about the new planeswalkers from this set there are three i'm actually pretty excited about these the first one is domri chaos bringer be better domri it's two a red and a green for a five loyalty. So four mana for five loyalty. That's already good. 
Uh, plus one is you can add either a red or green mana to your mana pool. If that mana is spent on a creature spell, it gains Riot. Remember, Riot is a choice. So when a creature enters the battlefield, if it has Riot, you get to either give it haste or put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Domri's negative three ability is you look at the top four cards of your library, you may reveal up to two creature cards from among them and put them into your hand and put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So you could draw two cards with this if there are two creatures in your top four cards. And then the ultimate at negative eight is you get an emblem with at the beginning of each end step, each end step, not just yours, mm -hmm. create a 4-4 four, four red and green beast creature token with trample. So, kind of like Sandworm Convergence a little bit. Yeah, except for that. It's Sam a 4-4, four, four, not a 5-5. Five, you five. get one. Yeah. And this one, I'd get one on my turn, your turn, Mel's turn, and TJ's turn. So, I mean, ultimates are always awesome. And honestly, as ultimates go, that's a little lackluster because it'll take a little while. Yeah, I think they've started to know that, look, if it can be cast with doubling season and immediately ulti, we can't make it game ending. Yeah, because that's just nobody likes that. Yeah. What do you think of... I really like Domri because it's four mana for a five loyalty creatures. At the worst, it will draw you maybe one card. Sometimes it'll draw you two. So even the four mana draw two, that's closer to harmonize. Um, and you get to choose if the creatures as well. I like the plus one the most though, because I'm thinking not necessarily creatures that are bashing in, but creatures that have activated abilities. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of red and green creatures that do some crazy things if you can tap them as soon as you use them. And these are the colors to give haste to stuff anyway. And of course, if you just need to bash with stuff, this might also work. And it ramps you, so it, it does a lot of a lot of different things. It's very flexible, which is what I'm looking for in the commander. And if you wanted to go the doubling season route, it's also a great way to very slowly guarantee you're going to win that game. If you doubling season into this, if the game goes like four turns, you'll win Yeah, from there. Uh, not to mention you're making things to block for it too. Yeah. I'm not a big fan uh, generally of planeswalkers that just don't make it hard to kill them. They don't protect themselves and this mm -hmm. one doesn't really do it. And the fact that like, yeah, maybe you draw two cards, but you got to get pretty lucky, have a lot of, like let's say you have 30 creatures in your deck, which is a lot. Right. What are the chances? It's like, you know, you're going to draw one most of the time and draw two like maybe 20% of the time or something. Sylvan Library, draw yeah. two every time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, since it's Divining Top, Scroll Rack, you could do that, but those decks, sure. I think the only other problem with this is that if you're playing it on four, there's almost no way you're going to be able to cast a spell with his plus one that same turn. Yeah, because you got to have a one drop. So You can spend it on anything, but you want to put it on the creature in general. Yeah, so maybe so. this is more of like a... But if you're at turn seven, you don't really want to do that and then play like a four drop either, right? Like, Yeah. I don't know. I'm not super high on Domri. I like him. Okay. Next up, Dovin Grand Arbiter. Dovin's back. One, a blue, and a white for a three loyalty planeswalker. Three for three. His plus one, until end of turn, whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, put a loyalty counter on Dovin Grand Arbiter. Hmm. So that means if I swing and connect with four creatures, it'll get four loyalty? Whenever a creature you control deals combat yeah, damage. It's not one or more. Yeah, wow. so you could just shoot this guy up really fast. His minus one is to create a 1-1 one, one colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying, and you gain a life. So you can make a guy then to hit someone and add more loyalty to them. And then his minus seven, look at the top 10 cards of your library, put three of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So obviously his ultimate's not busted. They're assuming that when you play this card in formats like Commander, you're going to be able to get him to that minus seven really quickly. Yeah, sometimes you could just play him, swing the five creatures and put six loyalty on him right that turn, right? Yeah. Which case he's in ultimate range. So they had to make the ultimate. It's just draw. Th it's I mean, draw it's slightly three. bigger it's than... pretty good. It's like dig through time plus. plus yeah. Plus one. <laughs> plus one. You get one extra card out of those seven. Yeah. Dig through time's a good card, 
but as an ultimate on a planeswalker. But I guess you're right. They would have to do that. I think this is fine because it makes the Thopter and it's a three mana. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a, at the worst case scenario, it's like a slightly, I don't know. It's one more than Bitter Blossom kind it's a of. Bitter Blossom minus? Bitter Blossom plus? No, well, my, well, you gain life instead of losing it. True. And, you know, if you can attack with a bunch of creatures, it could get high enough that they'll have a really hard time like mm -hmm. getting it down. Like if somebody goes, boom, play this, attack with five creatures, you know, it's at nine. It's like, are you even going to spend all the time to worry about knocking it down at that point? Right, because it's like, well, do I really, do we care that much if this blue-white player who's presumably already drawing a lot of cards is going to draw three more? But the selection is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, and I'd say the last thing you, I mean, you, you want this, I think, in an Artifacts Matters deck, in a Control deck, um, but even some Control decks don't have a way to utilize this plus one that well, so it's interesting. Yeah, I think it's narrow, but that's what they've been doing with Planeswalkers, and I think it's smart, is sort of making them more narrow, less, they're less, like, good in all situations, and yeah. more, like... Well, they're less Garrick untapped for Forest good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> less that. <laughs> all right, the last Planeswalker in the set is Kaya, Orzhov Usurper. Kaya made it over, by the way. She was hanging out in Conspiracy, and now here she is. She, I mean, she Planeswalks, I guess. Yeah. Jesus, they she, can do that? <laughs> she's one, a white, and a black for a three-loyalty Planeswalker. Her plus one is exile up to two cards from a single graveyard. You may gain life if at least one creature card was exiled this way. Two life, yeah. So, sorry, you may gain two life. But that's weird. Okay. <laughs> Neg her negative one is exile target non-land permanent with converted mana cost one or less. Exile target soul ring or mana crypt. Um, mana vault. Yeah. And then her negative five, her ultimate, is Kaya deals damage to target player equal to the number of cards that player owns in exile and you gain that much life. So obviously you're supposed to plus one a few times and then nug them for the amount of cards you exiled. Yeah. Although could also be really, really good if you just bajuko box somebody on turn like 12. Right? Or Relic of Progenitus. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's her ultimate, so you can't even play her and do it. Yeah. You have to like play her, plus her, plus, oh man, that's It is a, a ticking clock. I do like the things that she does. Um, again, this is just a flexible card. So if your meta's running, a, everyone has a mana crypt, everyone has this or that, then Kaya's always going to have a target for her exile ability. But in, and the other thing about black and white for me is that you have a billion ways to get rid of things yeah exactly black so and white. you don't do you really need one that's like sometimes doesn't even have a target yeah i mean i think exiling up to also playing her on turn three there you may not even have cards to exile from term from graveyards yeah it's a really good point probably won't like fetch land maybe or two but yeah. not a lot yeah uh eh. she seems not that great it's too scary to have that card in your deck and just be holding it and it's just not useful yeah. You know what I mean? It's, like it's you, not drawing you cards. It's maybe gaining you some life. It's If you don't have graveyard decks, then you're not really doing too much either. Yeah, so it's narrow, but if you know your meta really well, it could be okay. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go into these monocolored cards here. So the first card is, I think it's your turn. You go. That's angel a, of Grace. Three white, white for a 5-4 creature angel. Flash flying. Does this reminds you of another card, Avacyn? Yes. 5-4 with flash and flying is actually pretty good. Yeah, this thing would just go in and just start smacking people out of nowhere. Um, when Angel of Grace enters the battlefield, until end of turn, damage that would reduce your life total to less than one reduces it to one instead. So this is also a lifesaver. Oh, so that can get you out of like... An alpha attack. Yeah, it or even like a um, Kikijiku type mm -hmm. combo, that kind of stuff. It won't get you out of like a goblin bombardment situation where they'll just 
be like, oh, you cast that? Well, I'm just going to do it infinity times above be inf- before this yeah. resolves. Yeah. But if they're like, okay, I made enough. I made one million tokens with haste. So you're like, okay. Swing. Go to attacks? Yeah. Alpha strike. Yeah, okay. Sure. I'll flash this in before yeah. damage, blah, 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 if they can't. Yeah. And if this does end up dying, it has an activated ability for four white, white, exile angel of grace from your graveyard, and your life total becomes 10. So that's actually interesting, I'd say. Uh, but it's not... It's it. You have to look at these from the whole limited slash standard perspective, and obviously ten is half your life total. Ten is never a place you want to be in commander. <laughs> I mean, if I was at one and I almost died, I'd would want to go to ten. But it's I don't know if I'd even want to pay six, six mana, mana for that. at that point. Yeah, yeah. I might just sit at one and hope I can win with my all my mana on my turn somehow. Yeah. Still, the fact that it can save you when bad stuff's happening, and also just like uh, you you held some other stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um you know, some counter spells or whatever else. And then at the end of turn, nothing really bad happened. I'll just flash in this 5-4 flyer and start bashing people with it. Yeah. If it's you have ways to flicker it, not too bad either. Yeah. I don't think it's amazing, but you can see a little bit of play. Uh, this next one's pretty combo-y. This it's one's fun. Lumbering Battlement. It's a... <laughs> oh, I didn't realize. It's like a wall. No, no. It's a Lumbering Battlement. <laughs> it's a beast. But I thought a Battlement was like the... the uh, Right on top, top of, of a, a castle wall. Like, are those well, there the are people kind of standing at the top of it. So yeah, he's the, not moving fast. He's lumbering. He looks like he should be gruel then if he's that thing because that's a beast. Anyway, okay. Lumbering battlement. That's a good point. <laughs> four and a white for a four five beast with vigilance. But when lumbering battlement enters the battlefield, exile any number of other non-token creatures you control until it leaves the battlefield. And then lumbering battlement gets plus two, plus two, for each card exiled with it. It's cool. It's like they're adding on to its power and toughness by they're being like on top jumping onto like, it. Yeah, yeah. A shield up, stabbing someone with a spear. So this sounds like something you would never want to do, but this works like Fiend Hunter, which is a part of many, many combos, except for Fiend Hunter only targets one thing. Yes. And this can do like all of your creatures. And not a lot bad can happen, especially if it was sack outlet or like a Bragor or a Rune where you could flicker this. Yeah. Um, because you can make it leave the battlefield and all those creatures Just that you exile with it again. enter the battlefield again. The best thing to do with this is a karmic guide and a sack outlet. Mm-hmm. So what you do is Lumbering Battlement comes into play. It exiles the karmic guide. Now you sacrifice Lumbering Battlement. Karmic, karmic guide, guide comes back into play, brings the Lumbering Battlement back into play, which exiles the karmic guide. Now let's assume that you have another creature with it, like say acidic slime. Mm-hmm. Now you just destroy everybody's lands and everything else they've got. Because every time it comes back, it's also exiling and returning the acidic slime with the yeah. karmic guide. If you add whatever creature you can think of with an ETB effect, a mole drifter or whatever. Or even an aristocrats type deck. Yeah. Just kill everyone. Yep. With a sack outlet, this, and the karmic guide. Yeah, if you could get it with a uh, murderous red cap, then yeah. it's just infinite two damage to everybody. So I think rumb- lumbering. I want to say it's rumbling. He's rumbling. Let's get ready to lumber. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the yearly Axemen shit, like, yeah, for, like, yeah. woodsmen. Yeah, yeah, where they're, like, on the <laughs> like logs on the water. Yeah, 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 and, like, yeah. log rolling. <laughs> that well, would be awesome. That would be awesome. It's like, let's at the woodsman co- <laughs> competition, the guy came out and plaid and was like, let's get ready to lumber. Okay. Just distant chopping. I do think this could be a big combo enabler. And, and the good thing about it is, like, let's say, just low case scenario in your Brogger or your Rune deck, you play it. Exile three creatures. Karmic Guide's not even one of them. It's just a Reclamation Sage, a Mole Drifter, and something else. Wow, and yeah. then that's a good dream. And then you flicker so, this. Yeah. So those things come back into play, and then it comes back in play and does it again, and you just do that. So instead of flickering one thing, you're flickering three things. Seems pretty good. 
Very good with Deadeye. Yes. You know, it's just good with any Enter the Battlefield oh, effects. Oh, Deadeye. Also, like, if someone gets rid of it, you still get the value of those creatures coming back into play. The Not only to thing that could yeah. be bad is a pacifism type effect. Yes, pacifism or if they steal it. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> steal it and just Ooh. hold on to it. But if you're flickering stuff, you don't care about the pacifism. pacifism. Yeah. And also, the stealing doesn't affect you as much. So I think you're pretty safe. And if you have sac effects, then you don't care yeah. about those things either. Because so. it says that when it leaves the battlefield, not when it dies. So right. that's sort of the very important part of this card here. I think this they actually pushed the power level on this card. So For uh, combos and for us, I, I think for like standard and stuff, that card's like no one's ever going to play it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's way too risky. But it can be huge. Imagine it comes down and you just be like, ah, put everything under it. Yeah. Swing with a you know, 20, 26 Vigilance, 21, 22, or whatever. Yeah, that's true. And they don't even want to like block it and, yeah. or kill it somehow because you're going to get all the ETBs. I'm a all big right. fan of this next one. Oh, man. This next one is really... This is, this one, is it Paradox Engine good? <laughs> it's Ristic Study good. Yes. Nah. It's, I think it's close. It's close. It's not as good as Ristic Study, but... It, like, smells like Ristic Study if it was a dish. You're like, yeah, it smells kind of the same. But yeah, it's, it's got a little Ristic Study in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Ooh, we got weird. Yeah. Smothering Tithe. Three and a white for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent draws a card, that pair that player may pay two. If the player doesn't, you create a colorless treasure artifact token with tap, sacrifices, artifact, add one mana of any color. Anytime someone draws a card, they have a choice to pay two mana, and if they don't, you ramp. You get a treasure token every time somebody draws a card. Yeah, so that's at least three times around the table in the four-player game. I mean, if you get this out on turn four, they're not paying. Oh, I almost it never walks them. Yeah. That's a lot of mana for every card you draw. And then if you have like a Ristic Study out, someone else does. Yeah, like, true. If somebody gets a Consecrated Sphinx out, you're like, sweet. I'll sweet. take 10 yeah. uh, treasure tokens. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. You draw a bunch of cards, fine. And what is white bad at? Card ramp. draw and mana ramp. Yeah. This card, I think... Oh, man. I'm about to get myself in trouble. We promised we wouldn't say what words. 100%. Paradox or Engine. If you're in a mono white deck, this is a 100% a card you play. I feel like this is going in most decks with white. Um, maybe if there's green in there, you don't because you don't need the ramp. Yeah. But if you're in a if you're in a non-green deck that has white in it, like Orzhov, you're running this, right? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you? Boros, you're running this, right? Boros, you have to run this. Azorius, you're running this, right? You're not going to have outside. I mean, are you going to base all of your ramp just to be rocks you're putting out? I mean, these are kind of rocks, too, because yeah. of treasures. But, like, you're making artifacts, and that's become more and more relevant. Literally, ever since Kaladash came out, every single deck could use more artifacts if you start using cards from that set. I, this is very powerful. Also works well with, like, Anointed Procession and the yes. Token Doubler stuff. Oh, my gosh, and they're both four mana white yeah. enchantments. That, that's the only thing I'd say for it is four mana is a lot more than three. And just taking turn four and doing nothing is tough in some games but until your turn five becomes now you have eight mana that's what i think i think it is going to be worth it most of the time yeah. if you're not just going to die because yeah on turn four play this comes back around to you put your fifth land down and you have the three treasure and you're probably getting at least two treasure every turn mm -hmm. from then on and you can save them up too like it's in some ways a little bit better than a mana rock as yeah. far as like oh i only need to use one of these so next turn i have four extra mana Boy, I like it. This would be a fun group hug deck card too. I, you know, because it gives you a lot more options, but you get to choose what you do with it. You know, what's really good in it is because I made a five color Nekusar deck. So if you have Howling Minds and things like that, oh yeah, I think this card's really, really good. Yeah, and something white needs, and and I like that R and D obviously knows like, oh, uh, we need to figure out white right. ways within the color pie to do the things it needs in Commander. Because th this card's not for standard or anything. This is for us. No, this definitely pushes it above 
uh, sort of like when we say it's 100 percent of decks, we're only saying that now because this this effect just doesn't exist in mono white like this. Nothing like this ever has ever been seen from mono white. Yeah, really cool. Ever, ever. All right, the next white card is Unbreakable Formation. It's two and a white. It's an instant. It says, creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn, and then it has addendum. So if you cast this spell during your main phase, putting 1-1 one, one counter on each of those creatures, and they gain vigilance until end of turn. I just want to bring this up because we're always looking for mm -hmm. heroic intervention type stuff, and a lot of them are in green, but having some in white is good. So yeah. if you want to protect your creatures, there you go. Doing this in like Teferi's Protection, you've got a lot of ways to stop that stuff. Yeah. Um, now we're moving into blue. Benthic Biomancer, blue for a 1-1 one, one creature Merfolk muse, Wizard Mutant. It's got one in the blue to adapt one. So again, if it doesn't have any plus one, plus one counters on it, you're going to put one plus one, plus one counter on it. And then whenever one or more plus one, plus one counters are put on Benthic Biomancer, draw a card, then discard a card. Uh, I'm just mentioning this because in the blue-green decks where you're able to pass around counters like crazy, this is a very fast and efficient loot machine because it doesn't care after... I mean, you can adapt to put the first counter on it, but then if you just start moving things around biomancing per se you could draw a discard a lot yeah i think you know it's easy to look at the adapt cards and think uh, oh i can only do that once but mm -hmm. remember we have access to all the magic cards in history yeah and so you don't have to put one one counters on only with adapt you can do it with atraxa yes that if atraxa just becomes oh i get to loot every turn yeah that's this thing is out. pretty sweet yeah the next one is eyes everywhere it's two and a blue for an enchantment Man, it would get confusing if you had eyes everywhere because you'd be seeing eyes? everything. Eyes? <laughs> uh, three mana for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, scry one. So that just happens. But also has you pay five in a blue and exchange control of eyes everywhere and target non-land permanent. Activate this ability only in time you could cast a sorcery. So you steal something with this. Yeah, a non-land permanent. A plans You could steal a planeswalker with this. Yeah. Um, also, if you give it to a player that doesn't have blue, they yeah. can't use it. <laughs> That's the return. problem. If you get to give it to a player that has blue, then they can now they have eyes everywhere, and they now get to um, yeah. steal something. But if it's a non-blue player, you got the scry for a few turns, three mana scry one for a few turns is not the worst. Yeah, and you will gain steal the something. value back. Yeah. Right? Uh, did you read the flavor text on this? They've got eyes inside my head. <laughs> 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 They're everywhere. Um. Mass Manipulation, next blue card, XX, and then blue, 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 four blue. Oof. So you're not casting this unless you're pretty much mono blue or two color. But it's a sorcery, and it says gain control of X target creatures and or planeswalkers. Wow. So for six mana, control magic, by the way, five. A lot of the control magic effects are about five mana. Control magic is four. Four, sorry. Um, I'm thinking treachery and those yeah, kind yeah. of things. Uh, for six mana, you can get one creature or planeswalker. Now, Which a lot, is not great, Not right? great, but for eight mana, you get two. For 10 mana, you get three, or you could play expropriate. All right, next card. Yeah, I, th <laughs> I think this is okay. A lot of people are going to be really excited about it, but that's I think that's a good point. If like, you're making infinite mana, then this is better than expropriate, right? You don't you get just, the extra turn, so you don't get yeah, to use true. the stuff. So I think even at infinite mana, it might not be as good as expropriate, which is funny to say, because without that the extra turn, you give everybody a chance to like Stop board you. wipe or something. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's okay, but people are going to be like, oh, "I'm going to take everything. It's going to be awesome." And you're going to be like, "Yeah, but it still doesn't just straight win you the game." Torment of Hailfire with the same amount of mana is going to be better. Yeah, not many cards do let you steal planeswalkers though, so that could be. Yeah, some. I think six man to steal one planeswalker is a fine rate, depending on the planeswalker. That's true. That's a good point. And you know, if you have a Delcanori, you can do it at instant speed. Yeah, it gets a lot better. Dude, what if they're like, "Oh man, I'm going to plus one this. I haven't. You can't. You can't stop it. It's going to ult next turn." You're like, "I take it. I ult." <laughs> That's actually sweet. There's the dream. <laughs> All right, the next one is persistent petitioners. 
It's one and a blue for a one three human advisor. You can pay one and tap it and target player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. Okay. Or you can tap four untapped advisors you control and target player puts the top 12 cards of their library into their graveyard. Now we're talking. Now this is a human advisor. So if you had four persistent petitioners, you could activate that second ability. But you it's can. commander. You can't have four. Yeah. Yeah. What, what that? Crazy. Well, it has that Shadowborn Apostles clause or the Relentless Rats clause, which says a deck can have any number of cards named persistent petitioners. And I'm sure, like, there are a bunch of good clerics out there. There must be some good advisors as well. And it's human. Yeah. So human is the most uh, prevalent creature type. So yeah. maybe human tribal wants a bunch of one threes. I don't know. But it's interesting whenever they have that text. It'd be a cool thing to build a deck around. Also, it's the only common we have mentioned so far, so we did think this was notable enough. Yeah. I mean, also, 12 cards, is that's big game. Yeah. Yeah, if you get, like, eight of these out, you're going you're, you're gonna to mill somebody out fast. Yeah. Unless they have Kozilek or something in their deck. It's also blue, so there's plenty of ways to mill people in these colors. I could see maybe um, the one blue black god uh, yeah, that mills people. Uh, Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, maybe a Phoenix. Man, it has a funny. big butt. I was going to say, all of the... Um, because the Shadowborn Apostles deck is Oh, yeah, Atreus. uses Atreus. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Hey, <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks, Wizards. Did you do it on purpose? Probably not. Sphinx of Foresight, next blue card. Two blue blue for a 4-4 four, four creature Sphinx. You may reveal this card from your opening hand if you do scry three at the beginning of your first upkeep. It also has flying, and like the other card we said earlier, at the beginning of your upkeep, scry one. So it's a good burn. Um, if you do happen to have this in your hand, it's going to really set you up, especially in the blue deck. We'd love to have scry three at the first upkeep. Yeah, I, I put this in here because I had a question because I wasn't sure of the answer. Do you think it's worth it because of that first first clause? I mean, if you think about seven divided by a, one divided by well, seven divided by a hundred, right? Right. Ninety nine. It's it's not a great percentage, but when it does happen, it's pretty good. And I mean, it's a four 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 that gives you scry one on your upkeep a flyer. Yeah. Is that bad enough in commander? Because that's not good in commander, really that you wouldn't play it. I think it's probably not good enough to play, but I just wanted to have the discussion about like, if yeah. you have a card that's otherwise like mediocre, but it has that text, if I reveal is it- Is it worth it? Because Scry 3 on my first turn is awesome. Well, do you think cards like Chancellor of the Annex and stuff are worth it then? Because these are other cards that have the, if it's in the opening your hand, like it, it you know, when for Chancellor of the Annex, it counters the first spell of the game for each opponent, they have to pay one. So it like kind of manitizes them a little bit. So like cards like this, I'm always just like, are they really worth it? The problem with something like Chancellor is they see it. Yeah. So then they just plan for it. It's not like you actually do counter anything. You yeah. just tax everything. I'm going to say that this is playable in EDH, but I hope that you also have something else to go along with it, like a Sphinx Tribal theme or yeah. something that just a little Sphinx additional Tribal, value. I think, yeah. What was our uh, cry, Cryo Sphinx Sovereign? What was the yeah, name yeah. of that? Unesh, Cryo Sphinx Sovereign. You're right. Yeah. So if you were in a Sphinx deck because you're factor fictioning with your Sphinxes and stuff, then this for sure goes in it, but I don't think a normal blue deck probably wants it. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, you want to read this one? Yeah, Verity Circle, two in the blue, an enchantment. Whenever a creature an opponent controls becomes tapped, if it isn't being declared as an attacker, you may draw a card. And four in the blue, tap target creature without flying. So this is a very meta card, specifically if you have a lot of Josh Lee Quies in your de in your meta that are playing pingers or oh, cards that have activated abilities. This just goes out there and does a lot of work. Otherwise, not necessarily the best, but also like mana dorks are very powerful. Yeah. I was thinking there's probably more tapping of creatures going on than you think about. Yeah, definitely. Um, that aren't, that are like utility and doing stuff. 
and people then, don't attack as much. It does have that clause where you can tap a creature without flying, which can actually be good. Like somebody casts like an Ulamog or something. Mm-hmm. Well, or a Blightsteel Colossus or whatever. They go to combat and you're like, oh, I'll tap it so it can't attack. Yeah. And I also get to draw a card, which is good. I mean, five mana is a lot. Yeah. It's probably not good enough to run, but it's interesting. I mean, like you said, in your meta, meta. Yeah. Yeah. Because your if your your friend's just like, every time he just convokes and wins the game, or he does convoke a lot, or oh. he's all about his mana dorks, then Verity Circle could be something that just gets you a lot of value. Okay. We're going we're moving on to black now. The first black card is Awaken the Erstwhile. Erstwhile? I don't know how you pronounce that. Me it's, neither. It's three black black for a sorcery. Each player discards all the cards in their hand. Then creates that many two-two black zombie creature tokens. <laughs> I, th- you know, you think it's going to be like, and then draws that many cards minus one or something. No, nope. just literally nobody has any hands, and everybody has two-two zombies instead of what they had in their hand. This is I can put in my Neheb deck because it's mass discard, and yeah. and you get a little bit of value out of it. Now someone might just end up having like a twenty-card hand, and then this card sucks. That's true. You got to play this early, but you want to play it early just to get everybody into top deck mode. Yeah. And if you're playing with your graveyard, like your Neheb deck is, that's Neheb the Rakdos one, not the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like an Alesha deck. Mm-hmm. This could be really, really good. Um, Requires a little bit of setup. Marin, Carador. Um, I think what mo- most of the time is going to happen is everyone's going to make three to four zombies. Maybe you'll have more, and then everyone's just going to look at each other, and no one's going to attack. Or everyone's going to be like, let's kill the guy that just took all our hands. Why would you do that? They're just like, we all have five zombies. If we all attack him with the five zombies every turn, That's a good point. he can only block five of them. Well, that But if you're just... playing with your graveyard, you might be able to like fight that off because they just have like... Yeah. Anytime yeah. you're making anyone discard things, you're not... People are not happy. Yeah. It's up there like close to mass land destruction in terms of things that people do not enjoy happening to them. I still think Awaken the Erstwhile is a very, very powerful card in that yeah. it's going to just stop a lot of decks cold and... You're going to play it in decks where, like we said, Carador, Marin, Alesha, the cards in your graveyard are kind of cards in your hand. Just get ready for the aggression and hope you can discard more cards than everyone else so you don't die from the crackback. This next card, I think, is actually um, a little better than it looks. I like this one a lot. It's Font of Agonies. It's a black, one black mana total for an enchantment. Whenever you pay life, put that many blood counters on Font of Agonies, and then it has the activated ability of one in a black, remove four blood counters from Font of Agonies, destroy target creature. Usually these cards want you to sacrifice the card. Like it would say, right. pay one in back, black, remove four counters, and sacrifice one of Agonies. This doesn't. You only doesn't. remove the blood counters, and you just Doomblade stuff. And whenever you pay life, you put that many blood counters. So if you pay 10 life for something, you get 10 counters on this. And then you can just pay four mana and destroy two things. Yeah. Paying life is easier than you would think, too. Necropotence is a great way to do it. Necropotence is Necropotence, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Draw, fetch, Fetchlands do it, too? Fetchlands. Oh, yeah. Fetchlands. Mm-hmm. Totally pay life. Yeah. There's a, like Greed and Erebos. They both draw you cards and you pay life. A lot of these life gain decks have a lot of pay life cards because they're yeah. just using their life as like a resource. And this turns your life loss into kill creatures. Yeah. Also, I said Doomblade, but it's destroy target creature. So it doesn't care if the creature's black yeah. or an artifact or what. Notably, cool. a lot of cards say you lose two life. That's not the same as paying life. So you yeah. have to be careful for that. That is a specific distinction there. I still like it. I do too. All right, this next one's interesting. It's something they've done a few times, and I wonder if we're going to see it more. It's called Pestilent Spirit. It's two and a black for a 3-2 spirit. It has menace and death touch. That doesn't matter. But it says instant and sorcery spells you control have death touch. Hmm. 
Now we've seen this with the uh, the one that gives Soulfire Grandmaster. Grandmaster gives them lifelink, right? Yep. So I don't know that many black spells that would be great with this, but if you're pairing it up with other colors, then all of a sudden your flame slashes, your little one minute red poker things. Just there's a lot of uh, red spells cards. that just do one damage to all creatures, right? Cosmotronic Wave is mm -hmm. a common from this recent set. If this was out, it just kill everything. Yeah. Uh, although it would kill sweet. the pestilent spirit. No, it doesn't target your own creatures. Oh, Cosmetronic Wave doesn't. Yeah, you're right. Sure, yeah, it's it's just... opponents. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. Because otherwise it would be really bad in the Agro decks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your kills all your own stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a great combo. So I think this card is very interesting for Commander if you have a deck that, you know, it makes a lot of unplayable cards playable. Yeah. But the all... problem is it's just one card that gives that effect. True. It's If this was on a Legendary Creature, I would be, it's kind of like Soul Fire Grandmaster. That would be sweet. Where if we wish was... it was on a Legendary Creature. I mean, yeah. they kind of did it with Firesong and Sunspeaker trying to like fix that problem, but... I do like this idea of giving your spells keyword abilities. Yeah. A lot don't work. Vigilance doesn't work for an instant or sorcery. <laughs> but, you know, I just I just think this is an interesting design. Last black card. Priest of the Forgotten Gods. One in the black for a 1-2 human cleric. Cleric. Mm-hmm. You can tap it, sacrifice two other creatures. Any number of target players each lose two life and sacrifice a creature. You add black, black, and draw a card. A lot going on, right? Yeah, so it's giving you two mana here, which is like the Phyrexian land that does that as well. Phyrexian tower, yeah. Tower, yeah. Um, you do have to sack two creatures, and it can't be the priest itself, but any number of target players, so it could just be one player or every player at the table, they're all going to lose some life, and they all have to sacrifice some creatures, but you do get a card back, and you get to add mana to play that card. Yeah. Or anything else in your hand. I think it's pretty cool. It grave packs a little bit. And mm -hmm. if you had tokens or, like you alluded, uh, Shadowborn Apostles, really, really good. Yeah, I just think it's an interesting card. I don't know. Yeah, it I don't has, know if it's going to see a lot of play, but... It's one of those cards that we see a lot of in these kinds of set where it's, it's got utility and it's neat, but it's not necessarily powerful. Yeah. This next one seems pretty powerful. I'm down. It's Electro Dominance, also a really cool name. It's Red, Red, and X. Of course, Jimmy's down. It's an instant... Electro Dominance deals X damage to any target. You may cast a card with converted mana cost X or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. So if you say red, red, and seven, deal seven damage to something and then cast a seven drop. Yeah. Wow. Two for one. Yeah, it doubles your mana, kind of. Th one of the problems I find with like fireball type bane fire effects is it's very hard to pull the trigger and use them in instances where I like want to kill that planeswalker, or right? Because I don't want to tap out to do it, and you got nothing else to do that turn. Yeah, and, you and this is an instant too, so you can mm -hmm. hold up your mana, do it on your end step, make two big plays, kind of double your mana for that turn. I, I think this is actually pretty good. Yeah, Mizix is screaming in delight as well. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Even though I never play that deck. Yeah, same with my Neheb, uh, the worthy. Oh yeah, very very good in that card because then you're gaining extra mana the next. Oh. So you get to cast two things out of your hand. So you're two things really and ahead. then get the mana back. You triple your mana with this thing, basically. Yeah, pretty much. That's awesome. Um, Immolation Shaman up next. One in a red for a one three Viashino Shaman. I love the Viashino. They're so cute. Whenever an opponent activates an ability of an artifact creature or land that isn't a mana ability, Immolation Shaman deals one damage to that player. And you can also activate it for three in a red red to give it plus three, plus three, and menace until end of turn. I like this card because it reminds me of my favorite Rampaging Ferocidon. It's an, ad, an, oh, yeah. an ability of an artifact creature or land. And if it's not a mana ability, they just get poked for one. So this is one of those cards that will, I think, do a lot more work than people realize. Um, and again, slightly meta-dependent. Maybe your meta doesn't care about activated abilities. But 
it covers lands, creatures, and artifacts. So I think that's why this it gives a little boost in my eyes. There are certain combos too where if they tried to pull it off with that out, that will kill them. Right. Uh, Kiki Jiki. Kiki Jiki so. would just, just literally. Thrasios. It'll be really annoying, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. The next red card is Mirror March. It's five and red for an enchantment. Whenever a non token creature enters the battlefield under your control, flip a coin until you lose a flip. For each flip you won, create a token that's a copy of that creature. Those tokens gain haste. Exile them at the beginning of the next end step. That's pretty cool. I like that. It does cost six mana, though. It's a six mana do nothing enchantment. However, if you untap with it and can, like, because here's the thing it's not really a 50 50 chance of getting a token. It is. But then 50% of the time you get two, and 50% of the time after that you get... So, yeah, so, so you have a 50-50 chance each time. So total, some, sometimes you might get two or three. Yeah, and uh, if you have Crux Thumb, then you are getting a lot. Ooh. But the average has to be more than 50-50, because either if you lose, you're done. You're done, but if, but you, if you win, win you have you a chance. Yeah. yeah. So Look at us gambling over here. Yeah. Like, but if we win, then we get to do more. I mean, this, this could do crazy stuff, but it's going to be up to the, the, the Lords the of gods, Chaos. Yeah. Yeah. I think you definitely want to be in coin flippy-esque deck shenanigans. Otherwise, or just playing pure chaos, because you never know. Seems good in Rakdos. Yeah. Rakdos, the sh- the showstopper. The showstopper, yeah. Because yeah. you're already going to have Quark's thumb. But is the show really being stopped, Josh, with the mirror march? <laughs> Looks like we're marching What's, on. There's that card that... Sounds like an encore. If you win a certain amount of flips, you um, you win the game. And Oh, <laughs> If you got this out, then cast Rakdos. That's going to cause so many coin flipping that you probably will immediately win. Yeah. The moral of the story might be go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone and <laughs> order some Crux Thumbs right now. Yeah. I mean, that Crux Thumbs, I think, are, are 100% going to go up over time. <laughs> All right. Last red card is Smelt Ward Ignis. One in a red for a creature elemental. Two one. Two in red. Sacrifice Smelt Ward Ignis. Gain control of target creature with power three or less until end of turn. Untap that creature. It gains haste until the end of turn. And activate this ability only anytime you can cast a sorcery. So it's an act of treason, but on the creature. Interesting. A recurrable act of treason, then. Yes. Yeah. If you could get him back. So you remember Vanifar is an elf ooze wizard? Yep. Well, we got an ooze lord here. Ooh. We're moving on to green. Biogenic ooze is three black, or sorry, three green green for a 2 2 ooze. But when it enters the battlefield, you create a 2 2 green ooze creature token. So you get two oozes. And they're both two twos. But it says, at the beginning of your end step, put a 1-1 counter on each ooze you control. Uh-oh. So now you just paid five mana for six for, for a two, two three, three threes, threes basically. Yeah. But also has an activated ability, one green, 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 create a 2-2 two, two green ooze creature token. It's like the ant queen ooze queen. This is, I like the flavor of this because like it just slowly grows. They grow big Brrr. and they multiply. Brrr. Yeah. Brrr. It's like that video your brother did with the balls, the bouncy balls. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the what it is. Blue bouncy ball machine. Yeah. Um, I can see that getting out of hand pretty quickly. Um, also, just making bigger creatures and having the ability just to make more is powerful in itself. The, oh. when, any card that works entirely with itself is always going to get a higher grade. I wish it was legendary because it would be, that seems like a cool commander. Like, well, well, we can ignore that for a little bit, but after a while, we yeah. can't ignore that anymore. Yeah. Freaking Ooze Kings <laughs> on the way. This would be good with the that legendary creature yes. if it existed. So if you cannot afford a Crater Hoof Behemoth, yeah, this you have is a couple a good... of our options, and this is one of them. End raise four runners. Five green, green, green for a 7-7 seven, seven creature boar with Vigilance, Trample, and Haste. So eight mana for a 7-7 seven, seven, Vigi, Trample, Haste is a, a good card by all the sort of statistics. And then when end raise four runners enters the battlefield, other creatures you control gain plus two, plus two, and gain Vigilance and Trample until end of turn. 
This is the fixed or fair crater hoof for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, plus two, plus two, but you do get vigilance and trample. So even if you, that's the other thing about crater hoof is that, well, you will kill them almost every single time. But sometimes when you do alpha swings, tapping out is bad, but these gain vigilance. Yeah, true. And trample is very obviously. Crater hoof gives crit- a lot more power because this is two, two. Like, yeah. if, if you have 20 creatures, you get 20 power. Yeah, on this all is like of them. the Ibex card that was also in the Commander Pathbreaker products. Ibex, yeah, yeah, so it's similar, but this is this costs eight mana, but it probably still will end a lot of games on the spot. True. It's a good budget crater hoof. Sure. Uh, the next one is green card draw. We've just been seeing more and more of it, and that's one of the reasons green is such a good color. It's three and a green for an enchantment. Whenever a non token creature enters the battlefield under your control, if it doesn't have the same name as another creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard, draw a card. Well, seems very good for Commander since we're not allowed to have cards of the same seems name. Seems actually perfect for Commander. Yeah, don't put it in your Persistent Petitioner's deck. <laughs> but uh, otherwise... Your blue-green mill <laughs> draw card Persistent Petitioner deck, yeah. This is a Beast Whisperer, basically, mm-hmm. but on an enchantment so harder to kill. I like it a lot. I like it a lot, too. You're obviously not casting creatures with the same name because we're playing Commander. Yep. See it in a green deck near you soon. <laughs> one in the green for Incubation Druid. Zero two Elf Druid, and you can tap it to add one mana of any type that the land you control could produce. If Incubation Druid has a plus one, plus one counter on it, add three mana of that type instead. And it has the Adapt 3 for three, a green, and a green, so five mana to put three plus one, plus one counters on it. You're not going to be doing that too often if you're playing this in EDH. You're going to find another way to put a counter on it, and boom, this taps for three mana. It just becomes a Somberwall Sage. Yeah. But you can cast anything with it. Yeah. A G Lotus. And it's fine as a two mana. Just tap mana dark. one, yeah. That's totally fine. And then, yeah, you know, a little couple turns down the road, you turn it into tapping for three. It seems insane. And it's an elf. Yeah. Yeah. I think that card is like going in all these elf mana crazy mana decks you know something uh, about nakia because i was thinking about it just now mm-hmm. that we didn't mention earlier is all those mana dorks that actually untap your lands mm. like uh, voyaging Seder and things like that really good in nakia better than right something like this because your lands are tapping for double yeah all right just wanted to say that okay uh green card the next one rampage of the clans three getting a- the best cards right now <laughs> oh this card is really good yeah three and a green for an instant destroy all artifacts and enchantments for each permanent destroyed this way, its controller creates a 3-3 green centaur creature token. So bane of progress a little bit. They get beasts instead. I guess it sort of beasts withins all the... Yeah, they get centaurs. All the artifacts and enchantments. This is a sweet card, though. I mean, just to be able to do that for four mana is pretty good. Bane of progress costs obviously a little bit more. But four mana destroy all artifacts and enchantments. And if you just happen to have a bunch, or you know, even if you know someone else is going to be playing a bane of progress or something, you can do this in advance and boom, create a bunch of... Uh, you could do it in response, right? They yeah. cast the Bane of Progress. You're like, oh, well. Yeah. Uh, also, just Vandal Blasting all the artifacts and enchantments. At the same time. Yeah, so what? There's like, everybody gets two or three beasts. It can just totally, like, Ruin it can make someone's. it so certain decks just can't win from that point. Well, I was going to say, if you're a creature-based deck and someone's playing a very problematic enchantment or they just have like three or four things out and you know if you let them untap with it one more time, it's going to be really bad, then this is really good. It gets rid of everyone's stuff. If you think about it, when you're playing Commander, you're rarely in a situation where you're like, I can't deal with a creature. But you're often in a situation where you're like, man, that can't, artifact's yeah. going to kill us. Yeah, exactly. That enchantment's going to kill us. Yeah. I like this one a lot. Wilderness Reclamation. Three in the green for an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, untap all lands you control. Only on your end step, it's a one-time untap. One-time Seedborn Muse, kind of. Kind of, just for your lands, yeah. But it's, 
you know, if you do have Seaborn Muse out, then you get and you have ways to flash stuff out. You get to do you get to do it one more time essentially. Um, but it's uncommon, so it's just something to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I, I really like that card actually. Ton of extra value because if you've got the right setup where you've got Vidalconori or you've got like activated abilities that cost mana, mana mm-hmm. sinks, then it's basically giving you an extra turn every rotation of the table. And if you cannot afford Seedborn Muse as well, card king like I'm such a All right, the next one is Bedevil. Black, black, and a red for an instant. Wah, wah, wah. Pretty simple. Destroy target artifact, creature, or planeswalker. Yep. I, I like think, it. I think it's great because of the versatility is just great. Yeah, and I would see this in many Rakdos decks because you're, you don't get the flexibility of the black-white exiling of those cards instead. Yeah. We're into, by the way, the colored spells, oh, the yeah. multicolored spells. Sorry, Bedevil was the first multicolored spell. Thank you. Next up, Biomancer's Familiar. Green and a blue for a 2-2 creature mutant. Activated abilities of creatures you control cost two less to activate. This effect can't reduce the amount of mana and ability cost to less than one mana. And you can tap it. The next time target creature adapts this turn, it adapts as though it had no plus one plus encounters on it. So that second ability, probably not relevant unless you, for some reason, throw all the adapt cards into an EDH deck. First ability, pretty good. Training, so training grounds, grounds is yeah. pretty expensive too. This is yeah. going to be a very cheap... We're seeing a lot of cheap alternatives. The, you know... What was that called? Wilderness Reclamation, a little bit Seedborn Musee. Yeah. Biomaster's um, Familiar is yeah, the Training Grounds. And Raise Forerunners is Prayer Hoof. Yeah, so. Captive Audience is the next one. Five, a black, and a red for an enchantment. This Cap- might be my favorite card of the set, by the way. <laughs> it's pretty brutal. So, Captive Audience enters the battlefield under the control of an opponent of your choice. So, you cast this and then give it to somebody. And then it says, at the beginning of your upkeep, of the upkeep of the person that you gave it to, yep. remember... Choose one that hasn't been chosen. Your life total becomes four. <laughs> Discard your hand. <laughs> or each opponent creates five 2-2 two, two black zombie creature tokens. Yep. So basically, <laughs> you've got three turns, and you're dead if you don't get rid of and this thing. And each turn, things are worse for you. Think about it. Like, all right, I'm going to give everyone two, blo- uh, two twos. And then the next turn is like, well, I guess I have to discard my hand because if I become life total becomes four, all my opponents can just murder me. That's right. You have two turns. Because if you go to four, you probably lose. And if you discard your hand, you probably you lose. You probably lose, yeah. Oh, this card's brutal. This card's... What, do you, what would you choose first? Oh, give everybody five, two, two yeah. zombies. That's the one that's like... And that's still pretty bad. That's but, awful. Because you don't get... That's 30 power on the board if you have three opponents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're just going to get wrecked. The problem is it only hits one player, you know, but still, I think this card's pretty sweet. Uh, Talking about the control finisher, if someone's playing control or whatever, it's just like... Yeah. You gotta get it through. You but, gotta get it through, yeah. but... I wish it said lands. can't be countered. That'd be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> be so mean. Oh, my God. No, that's too much. <laughs> this is why you gotta run uh, enchantment... Removal. Removal, yeah. but I, I don't... When I say sweet, I mean it's it's awesome. It's cool. I don't you know just play generous powerful. offering and give yeah. it to someone else. Yeah. Um, it's funny. It's cool. I don't know because it only hits one opponent, but it hits that opponent pretty so hard. So hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a cool card. Cinder Vines, green and a red for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, Cinder Vines, de- Cinder Vines deals one damage to that player. And you can pay one to sacrifice Cinder Vines to destroy target artifact or enchantment, and it deals two damage to that permanent controller. So kind of like a Hateberry-esque card for green and red where it just dings everyone for a bunch of times whenever they cast non-creature spells, and it gives you ability at any time to instant speed remove a target artifact or enchantment. This is a card that could secretly just do like 10, 15 damage across a game. Yeah, and then at some point, you're like, oh, crap, I got to get rid of Paradox Engine or whatever. Yeah. Then you just pull the trigger. But until yeah. then, it's just like accruing damage. Well, it's, it's also, by itself, if you draw it late, it's a three-man and get rid of Artifact or Enchantment at sorcery speed. Yeah, that's what I really like about it. It's cheap. 
Yeah. It comes out early. You can probably cast it with like extra mana on a turn. So it's not like these four mana enchantments that do yeah. nothing where it like takes your whole turn. You're yeah. also going to find it nice and cheap at cardkingdom.com slash command zone. <laughs> All right. This next one is emergency powers. It's five, a white, and a blue for an instant. Each player shuffles their hand and graveyard into their library, then draws seven cards, then you exile emergency powers. This is an effect that we've seen all throughout the history of magic many times, but it has addendum. So if you cast this spell during your main phase, you may put a permanent card with converted mana cost seven or less from your hand onto the battlefield. So it's kind of like Electro Dominance Mm -hmm. in that you wheel everybody. They shuffle their graveyard into their library also. I like it. And then you put a sev- something up to seven mana onto the battlefield. Yeah, so that's actually, I think, the most powerful addendum card in the set because you're able to cheat out a big another big card. So yeah. it's as though you you know, you know drew seven, but you don't know the cards you're drawing, so that's the other downside of it. High alert, one, a blue, and a uh, white. I don't know though. it took me so long to read that. For an enchantment. <laughs> and each creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its butt rather than its hands. Toughness rather than power. Creatures you control can attack as though they didn't have defender, and for two, a white and a blue, you can untap target creature. Um, don't care about the last line too much. It costs a lot to untap a creature, but it's one of those cards that goes very well in all of your Duran-esque decks. Yeah, and we haven't seen this in blue-white. Yeah, exactly. So that's what's interesting about it. It you kind have of it opened in the door dragon. for us. Uh, Arcades. Arcades, yeah, but yeah. that's uh, banned. So. Yeah. All right, the next one is Hydroid Crassus. It is X, green, and a blue. For a zero zero jellyfish hydra beast. What? <laughs> when you cast this spell, you gain half X life and draw half X cards round down each time. So if you go green, blue, and five, you'll draw two cards and gain two life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has flying and trample, but then it enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters. So in that same thing, it would be a five five trample that drew you two cards and gain right. two life. So let's compare this to Moldrifter. Right. Moldrifter is five mana for a 2-2 two, two flyer. You draw, and two, draw cards. two cards. If you put five mana into this, it would be a 3-3 three, three flyer, but you draw one card and gain a life. You're rounding down, though, so it's a 2-2 two, two flyer. You round down for the draw, but you don't round down for the counters. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. So it would be a 3-3 three, three flyer that drew you one and gained you one. If you put six mana into it, which is one more than Moldrifter, you draw two cards. No, yeah, yeah. yeah draw, draw two, two cards, cards gain, gain two, two life, life, and it's a 4-4 four, four flyer. Four, four flyer. So in terms of getting more power, it's great. You don't have the evoked cost, obviously. But and this, you can't blink it. But also, like once you get a ton of mana, this is way better than Mole Drifter. True. There's no top end to it, right? Yeah. Just however much mana you got, you can dump it into this thing. It's interesting. Um, yeah, I want to play this in limited real bad. Oh, it's going to be so... <laughs> like, you can't win if your opponent casts that. You gain life, too. Yeah, exactly. All right, next up, our first split card. It's Repudiate Re- Replicate. Uh, repudiate side is two Simic, so you can play green-blue or green-blue or any combination of green-blue, so two mana total. It's an instant that says counter-target activated or triggered abilities. Mana abilities can't be targeted. And then the replicate side is one a green and a blue for a sorcery that create a token that's a copy of target creature you control. So if you like disallow type effects minus the full counterspell part, this could be good. And if you like replicating creatures, this is also good. So it's two cards that are not amazing because Replicate doesn't copy any creature on the battlefield and Repudiate only counters specific things. It just stifles, basically, yeah. Yeah, so I would say this is a flexible card for a deck that maybe is trying to, like, this card literally says, like, you can put two cards in one deck. They're either, both of those cards just aren't going to necessarily be as powerful as the individual cards. Yeah. But it's only on one card, so it could save you a slot there. I often want a stifle but I don't want the card stifle in my deck. So yeah. I'm just looking for anything that, like, that's why Disallow is the best one. But, mm-hmm. you know, 
like a lot of times like well they're gonna ultimate the planeswalker you can stop it with a certain card but you don't right. want that card in your deck but maybe just maybe. if sometimes that card was a clone because there's no planeswalker on the board or anything mm-hmm. then i might play it i'd think about it all right rhythm of the wild is the next card it is uh one a red and a green for an enchantment there's a lot of enchantments in this uh, mm-hmm. set yeah it says creature spells you control can't be countered and then non-token creatures you control have riot. Hmm. So again, every creature that enters a battlefield for you when this enchantment is out, you get to choose. It either has haste or you put a plus one plus one counter on it. There are enchantments that just say your creatures gain haste. Yeah. And this could be that enchantment, plus they can't counter your creatures. That's a really good point. Cause you I have considered playing, you know, there's two in a red enchantments that just give creatures haste, but this actually Outside of token creatures, this gives every creature the ability to also just be bigger if you want it to be yeah. instead of just haste. Because I'm always thinking, like, I want the haste for activated abilities. Yeah, I want to play it and use it. But sometimes you're just going to have a creature that wants to be bigger and you're ne- not necessarily going to swing into, like, a busy board. Yeah. I actually like this card a lot. Yeah, and, and making it so your stuff, your creatures can't be countered is actually pretty good like, yeah. as an additional, like, because it's hard to just play the haste enchantment, right? It's like, ah, just if it did a little more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I kind of like this one. It's funny that in the limited set, Riot is great because it can attack or make things bigger. In standard, it'll probably have an effect that way. But for commander players, it's all about the haste, really. Yeah, because you want to have those explosive turns. You want people not to be able to prepare for what's going to happen. You don't want to play something and then go pass the turn. You want to go play something, use it. Yeah, but there's one of those few cases where if you don't need to use it, you can just make it bigger. So There are some combo-y things you can do with a card like this that just gives your creatures plus one counters when they ETB. It works really great with Persist. Like, you could just kill everyone if you had a sack outlet, murderous red cap, and this. That kind of thing. Actually, this is a this is a very good uncommon. <laughs> Maybe. It's okay. rising up in my rankings. <laughs> All right, we have Simic Ascendancy time. Uh, blue and a green for an enchantment. Another enchantment. One, a green and a blue. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. And then, whenever one or more plus one, plus one counters are put on the creature you control, put that many growth counters on Simic Ascendancy. Can you guess where this is going? At the beginning of your upkeep, if Simic Ascendancy has 20 or more growth counters on it, you'll win the game. It's interesting. DJ probably likes this card because he likes alternate win conditions. They're not generally my favorite, but I feel like this of alternate win conditions is one of the easier to get to. Yeah. It's not Coalition Victory easy, and that's why it's banned, but it's (laughs) not too hard necessarily if you build your deck around it. And again, Green Blue just loves plus one, plus one counters in general. Even moving, there's a lot of cards that move plus one, plus one counters around. That will also count for this. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, just just playing like graph creatures and stuff would do it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right, the last multicolored card is another enchantment. I think we're going to need to start packing more enchantment removal. How, what percentage of the cards have we talked about today are enchantments? It's high. I'll I count, like you read. <laughs> it's tons. Okay. Theater of Horrors, it's one, a black, and a red for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. During your turn, if an opponent lost life this turn, you may play cards exiled with Theater of Horrors. And you can pay three and a red. Theater of Horrors deals one damage to target opponent or planeswalker. So you can use Theater of Horrors' activated ability to deal damage to an opponent, which will allow you to play the cards that you've exiled with theater of horrors and an interesting thing here is also you can play any of the cards exiled with theater of horrors so it's not right during your turn if an opponent lost life yes as long as it's been exiled by it so you could have like five cards under there and And then you get to choose yeah exactly and that's a little bit better than the outpost sieges and things of the world that don't allow you to you know you you can just play that card till end of turn point yeah, Yeah. yeah and so i think this is interesting especially if you're in a deck that has some pingers or 
you know, you're in a Heb deck that's mm -hmm. going to be a dealing damage to opponents or has easy ways to do it. This or will it draw just you does cards. it itself, but you want ways pingers specifically. Because four mana is a lot. I mean, you might do it if you have to. Yeah. Um, again, great in the old Rakdos deck as well that wants to be doing damage to the opponent to be able to cast Rakdos as well. Um, we've, we're going to talk about 35 cards, I think. 13 of them were enchantments. Wow. All not including the Planeswalkers and Legendary Creatures because those will always not be enchantments. Right, right. That's almost a third of the cards. That's yeah, crazy. a third of the non-specific ones, yeah. Okay, well, we got a few more to go here. Um, we got one more this card. Is, yeah. We, we just put it in because it felt weird not to have any artifacts that we talked about. Yeah, I looked at it a lot. I mean, we have all of the new um, sort of the, the Azorius, like the... The lockets. The lockets, yeah. yeah, that let you draw. And I think those are actually really good if you're just building a deck for the first time or want to fill in some slots and give your deck some card draw without having to dedicate another slot to it, too. Tome of the Guild Pact is the only artifact we'll talk about today, though. It's five mana for an artifact. Whenever you cast a multicolored spell, draw a card, and you can tap it to add one mana of any color. This will be going in a send triplets deck, I believe. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Five mana. For one. Womp. If it tapped for two mana of any color, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. The draw card thing is just too slow. Well, it's also like you have to specifically play a lot of multicolored cards. Today, yeah. Which is going to be tough. True, because how many are you going to cast of those a game? Even if it's yeah. like... It's not like you're going to play this and then rattle off five of them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that was... Oh, one thing we wanted to mention, sorry, before we move on to the best of part of the episode. <laughs> the Shocklands for all of the guilds. So you've got the Gruul, Simic, Rakdos, Azorius, and Orzhov Shocklands. That means all 10 Shocklands are in standard now. Now is not the time to necessarily buy them because... Standard, a standard deck that's be using them. them yeah. But right around rotation time, these are going to be at the lowest that they're ever going to be. Mm -hmm. And we see this every time Shocklands come and go. They're low, they're in the $5 range, and then they climb back up. And by the time they reprint them, people are like, oh, I can't afford the Shocklands because yeah. they're $12 each. And so just keep an eye on them and grab them when they're around the $5 range. And don't worry, we will make sure to remind you all as well. All right, let's go to the best of portion of our set review. And we've added a wrinkle here. Good idea from, from Jimmy. We're going to talk about what we think the best common from the set is and then the best uncommon and then best overall card. Um, okay, so best common, we only have... Well, there's one we talked about in here too. Yeah, it was the uh, the mill guy. Yeah, do you want to read these two cards? Yes. And then we will, I'll find the other one. Uh, so we didn't talk about these. You know, when you're cracking packs for the set and you're, obviously you're flipping to see what the rare or the foil is, but... There are other cards out there that are going to be just good cards that will see use. And every time I'm at like a pre-release or whatever, I make sure to keep these cards around and I usually will donate the rest of them to the store or some new player. So Growth Spiral is one of them. It's green and blue for an instant. Draw a card. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. So it's a common. It's not going to be super powerful, but this does get you a card and it also could potentially ramp you. It's a nice early play to do. Um, and it's a green blue card. So it's definitely in those colors. Another card I thought of was just a card, just Juice to Kiara's portal, one in a white for an instant, exile target creature you control, then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. It gains first strike until end of turn. So the reason I really like this card is there aren't that many cards in the history of magic that immediately flicker a card back. Usually it's waiting until a end step or an opponent's next end step. This is great and limited. It creates a really good blocker because it has first strike. And it's great for just in general enter the ability effect, enter the battlefield ability effects for Juice to Kiara's portal. Uh, yeah, and then the other common we talked about in the set review is Persistent Petitioners because it has that clause of a deck can have any number of cards named Persistent per pe Petitioners. That's hard to say. Um, this is Justicar. Justicars. But it's got an extra I in there. Justicar. Oh, just to, just to see her? Oh. Just a second. Just hold on. 
<laughs> okay, so those are our three nominees for best comment in the set. Let um, us know what you think, or if you have another nominee. Yeah, I'm gonna say Growth Spiral. Yeah, I like this one a lot. It's I, similar to Rampant Growth if you have a land in your hand because mm-hmm. it puts it on the battlefield and draws your card. Draw your card, it. yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, best uncommon. We have Rhythm of the Wild, which is we talked about earlier, which is that gives all your creatures riot and then your creature spells can't be countered. Mm-hmm. We have Wilderness Reclamation, which is the untap all your lands on the end step, uh, on your, your end, end step. step. Yeah, uh, both are enchantments. There's a card called Frilled Mystic, which is basically Mystic St- Snake. It's a 3-2 for green, green, blue, blue, has flash, and when it enters the battlefield, you can counter target spell. And then there's a card called Scrabbling Claws, which is a graveyard hate spell. It's one mana for an artifact. You can tap it, and target player exiles a card from their graveyard. They get to choose the card, though. And then you mm-hmm. can pay one and sacrifice the Scrabbling Claws and exile tar- target card from a graveyard, and then you draw a card. Yeah, it's like a weaker Relic of Progenitus. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I was going to say Wilderness Reclamation. Rhythm of the Wild just shot to the top for me. Yeah, as we talked about it, I was like, oh, wait, Rhythm of the Wild is... Yeah, I, I think that's that's the best uncommon uh, for me, too. I agree. For EDH, I think it definitely is. Okay, and then you just... Oh, no, no. We're going to do best overall Yeah, and card. then we're going to have another special category. So, again, if you are looking through a booster pack and you're like, what card should I keep around? Keep these cards in mind, but always just make sure to take a look through and think about you know how other cards are going to work in your deck because we obviously don't have time to talk about every card in the set, but a lot of the times my favorite things to do are be like, sweet, i got a foil of this growth spiral. It's actually a beautiful-looking foil and also a very good card. Okay. So you can find a slot for it, I'm sure, especially if you're making more and more decks. Best overall card. Let's have you look through there and um, figure out what you think is the best. I got mine. I mean, I could just say Captive Audience because it's a seven mana, crazy, insane card. It but might be the coolest, but I don't know if it's the best. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I'm probably going to be close to you here. It's For me as a red player, I would maybe say Electro Dominance just because you can pay, you know, a lot of mana to kill someone and drop a huge card from your hand on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. But we all love Smothering Tithe. Yeah, I think Smothering Tithe is the best card. It may be that or Lumbering Battlement, you know. But uh, Smothering Tithe just will... It's The reason it's good, it just works. It's just generically it just good, does right? It, yeah. Like, Lumbering Battlement, you want to be in a blinky deck or, or, or a combo-y deck. Right. Smothering Tithe, you just kind of want to be in a white deck. Mm-hmm. Like, if there was a few more cards like that, white might not be the worst color in EDH. So yeah. we need more Smothering Tithes. But I think that's a good start. I'm pretty so excited too. about that card. Yeah, It's going to be annoying though when people play it it's, oh here we go here we go oh they're just gonna ramp forever now um but you had an added a new a new category yep. which is best card ever the best card ever of this set is actually best card ever it's sharkto crab it's a creature fish octopus crab and that's all you need to know about it sharkto crab so sharkto shark-to- crab yeah octopus. is this unstable <laughs> what happened it's like three things mixed in the one right you look at the picture it literally it's got a is. shark mouth it's got crab pictures but it also has tentacles like an octopus i wish i had a flavor text so i could find out more about the sharkto crab. <laughs> i want to know who named it because it's perfectly named it's two a green and a blue it has adapt one you can pay two a green and a blue uh sorry it's a four four uh-huh. so it'll become a five five and it says whenever one or more plus one counters are put on shark to crab Tap target creature and opponent controls. That creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. So, But who cares? It's Shark to Crab. <laughs> it's actually not the worst in something like Attraction. Just tap down one right, of their things forever. One thing, yeah. yeah. It's great and limited, um, but it's also the Shark to Crab. It's a fish octopus crab. <laughs> it's, it's, 
it's gonna have its own movie soon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Shark it's to Crab NATO. Yeah, it's gonna be flying around in a tornado. <laughs> I mean, look, look, this card is just absurd. Thank you, Jehan Chu, for drawing this as well. You thank did a you, great job. You. I wonder what the art direction on it was. Was it literally like, <laughs> listen, the card's called Shark to Crab. Go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> It could go the other way around where they're like, we need a big scary monster and he drew a shark, crab, right. octopus and they were like, oh, what like, do we name this thing? And yeah. Well, there's crab legs. <laughs> it's got octopus. Is it part of the creature? Shark to crab. Yeah. Octo, octo crab arc. Well, it's like work. a hammerhead shark so it could yeah. be like octo hammer oh, yeah. crab. Octomo crab. Octomo crab. <laughs> shark to crab is much better. Yeah. All right. To the listeners, what is your favorite new card from Rav- Ravnica Allegiance? We all know. And uh, which, to crab. <laughs> <laughs> which deck are you putting it in? And which of the new legends are you most excited to build a deck around? Mm-hmm. And let us know if you think we're wrong about any of our best ofs either. I'd love to see what other people's options are for best overalls. Oh, yeah. And based on our card evaluations or how not to evaluate cards episode, we're yes. probably wrong about a few of them. <laughs> yeah. Although we, I'd say we were much more reserved this time. But there was a couple of times I was just like, wait, is this awesome? Yeah. Don't say it. <laughs> Don't, Don't say, say it. That it's Paradox <laughs> Engine good. Don't say it. All right. If you do have a card here or many cards or one of the new legendaries and you want to build a new deck or, you know, you're just looking at Rakdos mm-hmm. and that other card and going, I need Krark's Thumb, please go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone and order the cards there because you'll be getting the cards you want for your deck. Simultaneously, you will be helping Command Zone, Game Nights, Extra Turns, and all of our content continue to stay on the air. Keep the lights on. We really do appreciate everybody that that does that. Yes, that's right. And also at your LGS or online at Card Kingdom, you can buy Ultra Pro products, new playmats. Again, you want to deck out your sweet new Azorius Commander, Grill Commander, with the correct sleeves and the correct deck boxes. And also, those are just sleeves that are going to be cool forever because there's going to be a lot more Azorius cards in the future and all that stuff. So nice investment for the future if you want some new sleeves or you can get the Eclipse sleeves. Lots of options. Thanks, Ultra Pro. Thank you, Ultra Pro. Okay, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world, world of, of magic. Magic, magic. magic. So I wrote down two things. Have you seen both of them? I did watch Bird Box. Okay, so let's talk about Bird Box. Bird Box is... The Sandra Bullock movie that's on Netflix right now, it's getting a ton of press. A lot of you have probably seen it. I yeah. think they said uh, like 50 million views. Yeah, they said a quarter or a third of all Netflix viewers have seen it or something. Wow, that's yeah, a lot. that's insane. That's like more than most, almost every movie gets watched. Yeah, because if you, if you had opening weekend of 50 million people saw it, then that would be like a $400 million opening <laughs> weekend or something, right? Like, it's crazy. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's the Sandra Bullock one. You might have seen the trailers where there's like these monsters, but if you see them, you go crazy. You go crazy and you kill yourself. And so it's kind of like A Quiet Place, which was the John Krasinski, Emily Blunt movie that came out last year. They couldn't, it, if they made a sound, then the monsters would get them. Well, in Sandra Bullock's movie, if you open Saw your them. eyes or see something, then the monsters will get you. So they're like running around with blindfolds mm-hmm. in a world where you're not allowed to look at anything. She's got two kids with her. When I saw the trailer, I immediately thought of The Quiet Place, and I was like, I like The Quiet Place, but derivative stuff, and I know this is based on a book, but I didn't know that at the time. Just stuff that looks like other stuff, you have a natural tendency to be like, eh. Eh, Yeah. But we heard good things, watched it. I mean, I don't know what you thought about it, but I actually, I was like, man, this is really good. Yeah, I thought it was really good, too. A lot of people are saying it's overrated, blah, blah, blah. You know, I got to watch it with a group of friends, and I thought that was a lot of fun, because you kind of all do the friend thing when you watch a horror slash scary movie together, where you're like, what are you doing? No, no. You yeah, know? don't go in there. Don't do that. And I think that's actually a lot of fun. I like this movie a decent amount. Um, I think the I like the supporting cast a lot. John Malkovich is in there. Oh, yeah, he's Wong. great. 
Um, the other guy from Get Out, the police officer yep. friend, is in there too. So there's actually a lot of really fun side characters. And the way they tell the story narratively is pretty interesting as well. Yeah. And I didn't think it's like a masterpiece. Like, you know, it's not Citizen Kane or anything. But it's, <laughs> it's not, not often Paradox in, Engine. Yeah. It's not often in your life that like something just pops up out of nowhere and is like enjoyable for you. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. it was just, it's like found money. It's like you were walking along the street and you found 50 bucks. Like I was just like unaware Mm-hmm. And then I didn't have to like go anywhere or do anything. I just turned on. I was like, oh, let's check this out. Yeah, that's how we were too. We were like, we should find something to watch. And we're like, oh, like we want to like, do you want to watch a scary movie? I'm like, no. And then we saw Bird Box. Like, this looks the exact right amount of scary that I can take right now. Yeah, it's true. It's not like a traditional super scary horror movie. A lot of it's just suspense. Tension. It, yeah, yeah, it has a few scary mo- moments, but nothing crazy. I thought the performances were really good. Sandra Bullock is great. I love her to death. She is... Like what happened? Because she just turned into an amazing actress at some point in the like last like six or seven years. But before that, I, have you ever seen Speed? Speed? Yeah, she's not <laughs> like what that movie's great, but she's not that great in it. Excuse you, Mr. Lee Kwai, <laughs> Mr. Professional Film Editor. Uh, yeah, you're right. It, she just like I think ever since like Gravity, she's just been on a hot streak. I mean, Blindside Blind was before Side, that. Yeah. yeah, like she's amazing, and I it's I mean it's great. It, it proves that like if you really work on your craft you can become master yeah, of it absolutely I, yeah so that's a good point kudos to sandra bullock and and uh if you haven't seen bird box check it out or speed make sure you watch that too speed is a good movie don't get it's me wrong it's a great movie yeah, yeah. shoot the hostage <laughs> uh i don't know how to tie that <laughs> into the masters the of modern podcast so don't shoot those guys no but you should watch them because they shoot themselves with cameras. That's right. <laughs> so if uh you're interested in the modern format or competitive magic of any kind you should check out the monster, the monsters, the monsters of modern. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman in an epic WWE matchup. Let's get, get ready, ready to, to lumber. lumber. <laughs> I knew it. We did it. We went all the way around. All Boom. right. All right. So if you are interested in competitive magic, the modern format, lumbering, check out Alex and Ben. This whole sister podcast call out went sideways on us. I'm sorry, Alex yeah. and Ben. Really. They do awesome stuff. They are doing video content. So if you type in Masters of Modern on YouTube, you will find them. Mm-hmm. Or you can find them on the MMCast or right next to us at Collected.company. Our editor for the show is Josh Murphy. Murph, 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 Murph. Special thanks to Jeffrey Pong for doing the living card animations behind us and that begin and exit the show. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>